0: Hey Atari hackers, welcome to this week's episode. This is the time of the month where we go over all the news that happened in the industry and a lot of very interesting things happen this month. We are going to be talking about Ahrefs' new free tier. Are they doing this to collect your data? Should you connect your webmaster's console? We're going to have all these debates with Mark. And we're also going to be talking about a very important change to featured snippets and how you can use it to actually get more traffic to your site And finally, we'll also talk about whether shared hosting is costing you rankings in Google. A new case study came out, and it's very interesting, and John Mueller reacted. So we're going to be talking about this and a few more things. So let's get started.
1: Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, and now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Atari Hacker Podcast. This is the time of the month where we actually go over kind of like the stories that happen in the industry that are relevant for Atari site owners, and you know, kind of like give our take on it. You know, I know that people like our opinions or like some extra tactics we can add on stuff, etc. But my opinion is not the best. The best one is actually Mark's opinion. But before that, we're going to ask him how's it's going. So how's it going, Mark?
1: I don't have a funny answer this week. Let's just move on. I'm sorry. I'll yeah. come up with something better next week.
0: Yeah, this week is a plain week, both for the background and your answers. But anyway, we're going to get started with the first story, which is actually about feature snippets. A lot of athletes have noticed on Facebook group that uh, Google is actually reducing the amount of feature snippets they're using. So instead of essentially having some content on top of the sub, they're kind of going back to the old format of like, not exactly 10 blue links, but you get the idea of like having a link on top. that looks exactly the same as the other ones. But what's quite interesting is that the actual number one result is still the same number one result as the person who had the feature snippet when they've done that change, which, you know, the number one, the feature snippet was not always the number one organic. That's why we were saying like, as long as you're in top five, six, you can compete against big sites and take the feature snippet. So it seems like they almost they kept the logic of like who shows like number one from the fetus snippet, but they actually don't take the data from the page and it just show the link of the page as a normal result instead of an actual fetus snippet.
1: That feels really silly. Like why would they do that? I can't think of a reason. Yeah. So they basically I feel just like, like, like a mistake, num- you know?
0: The- yeah, I checked uh, a lot of our queries and it happened too, actually. Like a lot of queries where they were featured snippets and, you know, like list posts, etc. and Google would just take the top 10 and just show that as a featured snippet. Now we're just showing as an organic result. We're still, you know, you check the rank tracker, you don't see any difference basically, which is why I think a lot of people might have missed that because unless you actually open yourself, up, you don't see it. But it's as if the number one result for SERPs that used to have a feature snippet, essentially has its own mini algorithm now following what fit, feature snippets used to be, but it doesn't do it in terms of like the user who actually searches. So don't ask me why. It doesn't scroll to the page to the point where they used to scroll as well, et cetera. But overall, essentially, there's less feature snippets. And apparently, most has also confirmed that. So it's like, you know, on a larger scale, it has been noticed as well that there are less feature snippets. People speculate that it's about the antitrust things and like uh, people being uh, Google being accused of stealing content, etc. You know, that's that's Twitter speculation. So you know, uh, just take take that for what it's worth. It might be a bug. It might be a bug.
1: Yeah, I really feel like we haven't seen the the end of this one. After August's debacle with the the failed algorithm update, yeah, there was a mistake. Maybe this is another part of that mistake. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's pretty weird. So it's as if the feature snippet is still here, they just don't display it, basically. And, uh, but they still put the number one as a feature snippet. So, I mean, if it stays, it's great for publishers, because, you know, one of the plague of the last few years was zero-click searches. So essentially people searching, getting the answer in a feature snippet, and not clicking on the on the results. So it's kind of like quite amazing for small publishers now, because you still get the logic of feature snippets, where you can snag the number one from the same logic. But at the same time, you still get the traffic. However, you can't reverse engineer as much because you don't see what the physical snippet is, you know?
1: It's so silly <laughs> though. Because SEO is not about gaming the algorithm. It's about gaming it and then gaming this fake featured snippet, non existent, yeah, secondary yeah. algorithm to get it even though it's not displayed. Yeah, that's just it's crazy. It makes yeah. no
0: sense. But that's Hey, that's yeah, Google you know, for that's, you, you know? That's twenty twenty. <laughs> That's just like they were like, yeah, let's just throw a little bit more chaos into the world. So they did. I mean, honestly, like there was no official comment about this either. There was nothing. It's just something people have noticed. I have noticed that on a lot of queries that used to have featured snippets for us. I haven't like I tried to look for like trends in traffic to see if we get more traffic. I like I only checked a few pages to be honest. When when you say Google's removing
1: some featured snippets, can you quantify that? No, it's like there there was a
0: I saw a tweet. Was like a MOSCAS graph that I went down quite a bit from that graph. I don't have it. Was it like twenty percent,
1: fifty percent, eighty percent? I don't know if this the scale of
0: the graph that I saw is like uh, actually linear. So it's like that would be stupid to say that number. If the scale is linear, then like it was like around thirty percent. But I don't know if it's linear. You know.
1: (laughs) Okay. So what we're saying is potentially positive change. From this, but yeah. almost certainly, based on what we've seen, there will be Could further be like, updates um, to yeah. to this in, in in some way.
0: Yeah, I feel I feel like they should remove the to snippet logic if they remove the to snippets. But right now, it's kind of interesting because it allows. It really allows, it's a big opportunity for small sites because you can essentially still play with the on page to get number one spot. But the number one spot is much more determined by on page than the other spots because the other spots are much more link based. And then, but then number one spot, you can actually snag it from like number five just with on page because it's still the fittest the snippet stuff. So, you know, take advantage of this, I guess, while it's lasting. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting. So, I would, um, to find a feature, the queries where you can do that, I would probably check. Tools that did not update their cache or don't do, update their cache very often. So I'm thinking about Ahrefs here. Actually, like the cache is usually updated, user updated. So you need to press the refresh button on Ahrefs to refresh the subs. And if the sub hasn't been refreshed, then you can find the queries that used to have feature snippets but might not have them now. And then try to essentially do this on-page tricking. You know. So yeah, I guess that is the first news. Any any final comment of uh, madness on this? So.
1: No, just I'm sure we'll have an update for you next month on how this is this has changed again. Probably,
0: but well, I mean that's that's the point of these news podcasts, right? I I wouldn't cover that in a normal podcast because I'm like, ah, oh, it's probably going to expire, but it's still interesting to see. All right, let's jump on the next thing.
1: You All right, it. AHrefs have launched AHrefs Webmaster Tools, which is a free service giving you limited access to site explorer and the ahrefs site audit tool for your own site or sites only so it's still very very limited you can't it's not going to replace your paid subscription you can't do full keyword research with it you can't do outreach link building in most cases though there are a few types of link building you can do that specifically related to your own site or dropped links or People know following your links, things like that. You might be able to pick up, and anything from the audit tool as well. I haven't really used the audit tool much. Have, have you? What's what does it's it do? I don't know. Yeah,
0: it's basically Screaming Frog. It's Screaming Frog as a software as a service, basically. So it's like it will find you know broken links, broken images, too slow pages, too long title tags, missing meta descriptions, etc. So it's essentially, I think they do five thousand pages in that tool in the Webmaster's tool. So it's a pretty good version of Screaming Frog for free. I think I think Screaming Frog is gonna hurt from this.
1: And it's that that runs like weekly. Is it? Yeah, like automatically. automatically. Yeah. And they
0: give you a score basically. Like they give you a score between zero and one hundred, and then you can see like if you did modification to your site and your health score drops, then you can go and check that, etc. It's pretty good. I like it. It's very feels very different from the other Ahrefs tools. It's definitely built by a different teams inside a team inside Ahrefs. But yeah, I mean you can replace if you have that like, the lowest level screaming frog subscription, then you can pretty much replace it with that, except it's not as convenient for like exporting to Excel or like, you know, big size will still want screaming frog probably for the basic audits, yeah, it's gonna be quite okay, actually.
1: So, as we mentioned, this is absolutely free. Now, Ahrefs is a very expensive premium tool, which is totally worthwhile if you're serious about SEO, but I appreciate a lot of people, especially if you're just getting started, not gonna be forking out, you know, 199 bucks a month for the standard plan. So this is a good kind of way to get started with it, I guess. I think the original intention from this, and we'll get on to the data issues and the data debate in just a sec, but the original intention of them launching this was as a lead gen tool. So loads of people start using their ecosystem, start putting their sites in, see what can offer, and then think, oh, actually, well, wouldn't it be cool if I could get all this data for everyone else's site as well? And then decide to to subscribe and, and you know go for yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, if you plans. think
0: about it, the lowest plan, it's $99. And we tell people to buy it in our courses. Like when you go in your toy site system, for example, like we say, well, you kind of need HS for this. We're gonna do all the tutorials with Ahrefs because we think it's the best source of data, and ninety-nine dollars we don't think is a high price for making the right decisions. Per month, ninety-nine dollars is. Yeah, to do the research, you can probably do it in one month. That's why I'm saying that. But like, it's still people push back, right? People struggle with that ninety-nine dollar price, and it's quite difficult. And um, for the longest time, there was a lot of lobbying for Ahrefs to do a cheaper plan, etc. And the thing is, like, once people have used Ahrefs for a bit, then they are a lot less reluctant to paying and they understand why it costs this price. But if they've never, I mean, they do, they had a trial, but seven days is often not enough to really like fill the tool or even understand. I think it's quite overwhelming, maybe the first few days you use it. So it was an opportunity for them to get people to use their tool, essentially to be the ultimate lead magnet, lead generator thing that they can and they can put call to actions on their blog, et cetera, that gets a lot of traffic and convert that traffic, which they're not very good at converting their blog traffic. So I think they'll be less reluctant to push a free product than to push a paid offer on their blog.
1: So this was very well received by a lot of people in the community because over 10,000 people actually signed, it up, signed up for this on day one, which is pretty impressive. I don't know how many users they have in, in total, but that's a pretty good chunk of people that may pay for the tool in future. Now, there was some controversy with this because... At the same time as they added this, they added another way of verifying your site. So to get Ahrefs Webmaster Tools, you need to confirm to Ahrefs to prove to Ahrefs that you own this website. So there are four ways of doing that. You can add a DNS record, you can add an HTML file, or you can add an HTML tag to your website. And the new one, which is a controversial one, is you can connect your Google search console to Ahrefs. I haven't actually done that, but I believe if you're already logged in, it's like it's probably the easiest and fastest way of all those to, yeah. to actually connect it. It's like a Facebook OAuth style thing, I believe. Same thing. And this has raised some controversy, understandably, because people are like, well, if I'm giving you all of my accurate data from my GSC are you just going to like straight up display this? Are you going to show everyone else who uses Ahrefs how much traffic exactly all my pages get, how much traffic my site gets, all and any other kind of data that they, they can pull in there? How, how is that going to be used? And, you know, to be fair, that's a, a legitimate concern. And I don't think Ahrefs did the best job of getting ahead of those questions when it first came out. And there were quite a few people. Who were, you know, somewhat concerned with, with with that kind of thing. What we've learned since then, and it's still not crystal clear. Uh, I think part of the reason for that is because they're not actually using any of the GSC data at the moment, so they themselves don't know exactly they how it's, if, it's being used. They're not even pulling the data. They they have potentially the option to have access in the future, to. and they plan to do so. I would add to this as well that they Ahrefs, like most other keyword tools acquires data from lots of different sources. So they buy data from other providers. And I believe some of that also includes GSC data from sites. I don't know exactly how it works or where they get that from, but that's a quite a common practice within um, this, this kind of industry, I believe.
0: Yeah, it's free plugins, it's free Chrome extensions, it's all this stuff. Like nothing's free, right? <laughs> it's like, I don't know what if they do it, but like a lot of like SEO plugins, for example, are for you to connect uh, GSC, right? And and like, I'm thinking of a plugin like Rank Math that essentially offers. I don't know if they do it. I'm gonna be very clear here. I'm just you know saying they're they like like
1: as theoretical as Gail yes. ever gets. Like he's just he's just making this up. He's using them as an example. No, I'm
0: just saying like as a business model, it would make sense that a plugin like Rank that essentially offers uh, for free what Yoast makes you pay for like it's like they're either trying to get market share so they can actually finally release their premium product which has been potentially in the work for years or they're harvesting data not just through Google search console but like you know they could Facebook pixel people and then sell that pixel data to you know, Elemental, for example, and Elemental displays their advertising to the people who use RankMast because they have a direct integration and they can sell the premium version. So it's like it can also be a business model based on, on data. I don't know, but like all I'm saying is that there's probably some tools that do that and resell their data to Ahrefs. And what is interesting to me is like people, obviously, when HRS collects your data and then just puts it in the tool, it's quite obvious what, what they would be doing. But I'm pretty sure a lot of that happens indirectly through other tools, through other things, other resources people use and connect their GSC to and nobody cares. (laughs) So, But but um, that's the thing,
1: I, I don't think and certainly from what Ahrefs have said, they're not just taking people's Site data, traffic data, yeah, yeah. and just like putting that to so everyone can see it. That's not the approach.
0: I don't think that's the plan. Now, yeah.
1: what it is instead is they're using all their different sources of data to train their internal algorithms. By having GSC data, they essentially have the result data, what they need to calculate how much traffic each page gets. It's like an equation, but. And it, from a simplistic perspective, you may think, "Oh, well, that's really straightforward. I shouldn't give them any of my data because uh, even if they, you know, train an algorithm, it's just going to pull the exact result." But it's actually quite a bit more complex than that to calculate to train such an algorithm because we think of it in terms of, well, maybe if my site's ranking number one for this month and I get X traffic, how it would, you know, automatically know that. But there's all sorts of variables here, like. You know, you mentioned featured snippets at the start. Well, if they if they disappeared for half of September, then, you know, that's going to skew the data for like how many people click in each position significantly. If you drop rankings halfway through the month and someone else overtakes you and then that someone ends up rewriting their title tags and that increases the CTR of whoever's number one, it's going to change it. So like they have data scientists who know far more stuff about this than I could possibly even even theorize doing this. what we know right now is that they are going to store search queries, impressions, clicks, average position and time frame, and then they're going to mix or blend this data with everything they know about your site from clickstream sources they use and any other source of scraping I guess, any other source of data they have to improve the accuracy of the tool and we know. Since the what was the antivirus tool that got jump jump shot. jump shot back earlier this year, which provided a lot of data to Ahrefs and other tools as really well that they use to do things like estimate traffic. So there's been a degradation in Again. accuracy this throughout this year on those kind of things. So they're they're looking to get that back to where it was before, if not improve it slightly. There seems to be sort of like two schools here. I know quite a few people who have sites and. You know, one year ago, the hrF's traffic data was almost spot on to what it actually was. And I know we've had sites where it's actually quite a bit off by, you know, several orders of magnitude. So even before that, there was accuracy so issues. What they've
0: done actually is they've removed the jump shot data even from the historical data. So they've actually changed all the numbers of past data because what they did at some point is they removed it. and It was a big gap or something like the traffic curve was completely off because they removed it. So what they did now is they removed it also for, even if you check for two years ago, now there's no more jump shot data in that as well. So that the curve looks the same As you like, otherwise, it's like, let's say they had like 10 times more data from jump shot, then you would see like a lot of traffic before, and then they don't get as much queue data now, it would just drop. And like, you would see a curve that drops when it's not the case. It's just that if you remove jump shots from the past, then it would be actually just a straight line, you know? So, what they've done is they've harmonized that because people freaked out for the traffic curves. So they actually right now, it's already like they already smooth the curves, et cetera. It's the kind of stuff that like people don't think about, about running an SEO tool. (laughs) But you know, every time they like, I'm telling you, they probably curve the DR as well and all these curves so that the users kind of like make sense out of it, but it's not necessarily the actual actual truth, you know? And it's one of these things as well where they had to smoothen the, the traffic curve. So already the data you're looking at, even historical now, does not show the jump shot data, actually. For my understanding, like like Tim will correct me on Twitter if I'm wrong anyway. But uh, yeah.
1: So all that is to say that there are some pretty complex calculations possibly happening or almost certainly happening in future. And connecting your GSC will help them make better calculations. How much better those calculations are at a specific level, specific to your site, your keywords, your pages, is still somewhat unknown it will impact it in some way but I what I'm taking away from this is that they are looking at this at a much bigger level than you know your affiliate site they they're the second biggest crawler in the world they have multiple data scientists working for them really a lot of things to handle here to try and calculate it so does me from like a game theory perspective if I connect my GSE or if I don't those are the two choices for me I can't really impact what everyone else does in the world. And if everyone else, or even like some, some people are are connecting it, maybe, I don't know, most of the rest are just using one of the other three verification methods, which is an option as well. Then I think their algorithm is going to be good enough to like figure out more or less what I'm getting in traffic and all that anyway. So it's not going to make too much of a difference whether I do it or not. Now, if 10,000 people or 100,000 people decided not to then maybe that will make a, a big difference. But I think in an indiv- individual level, what you choose to do here is not gonna not gonna move the needle yeah. um, significantly. There are maybe one or two scenarios when I think it could be problematic. I'm thinking to one of our sites specifically, it has a few keywords, which Ahrefs say get like no traffic or almost no traffic, but they actually get quite a bit of traffic. So the metrics are off significantly there and it seems like our competitors in that niche don't actually target those keywords maybe that's one of the reasons why because they, they don't see don't, it in the keyword as much traffic and they don't see it in the keyword tool so maybe we'll be helping to inform them a little bit there again that's just sort of theoretical though i i, I don't uh, know it. it's
0: like it would know like the thing's like if you had a site that's like like that you have articles that like ahrefs is like 50% right on your articles and the other 50% they don't really get it like, would you feed that data to see if that site's making good money?
1: Well, that's the question. From a game theory perspective, probably no. But as I said, I think they'll probably get that data anyway, eventually, based on everything you yeah, have. Yeah, but like in
0: an, on an inaccurate way. Like, it's not as accurate if they don't see the GSC data of someone that ranks for that query. And if nobody, no SEO is targeting that query, then essentially they're not going to get the data. So it's like,
1: but what I mean it's is, a, like, they they may actually pick it up through other sources anyway. So, um, uh, or their general algorithm is good enough that it makes a more yeah, accurate assumption true. anyway. So, what difference is it going to make anyway? If you're but not worrying,
0: well, you don't need it. You don't need it to to use the free tool anyway. You can just do a DNS record or something, and it's like that's what I would do at this point. I mean, obviously, they want that data because at some point it's going to help them make a better tool.
1: I did actually ask them, and they said they're hoping to offer more features for people who connect GSC in future, yeah. such as like GSC itself doesn't display your data, your information to you in a very like useful way sometimes. Yeah. So they want to maybe improve that. So, you know, there's clearly a data play at work here, but that's not the sole reason. I don't think they're deliberately being sneaky about it. I do think they could have communicated things maybe a little bit better initially. Typical um, Ahrefs. Yeah.
0: It's like whenever they change their plans or anything, there's just a riot, you know?
1: But it's a, free, it's a free tool. It's useful. And if you already have an Ahrefs subscription, if you do this, if you connect with any of the methods, then you, I mean, you obviously have access to it anyway, but you get extra credits uh, like per project credit, I think they're calling them. So if you're on especially the light plan, that might be beneficial. I think the light plan as well, it also comes with, if you connect your site, it come you see like the top 100 keywords your site ranks for. Or something like that? Instead of the
0: top. No, the, you see the what top 100 positions. We have a bigger plan, so I'm not sure what you see on the smaller plan, actually. But
1: there is something that's 20 and it's now 100 on the light plan. I think it's, uh, <laughs> I forget it's what it not
0: the number of keywords, it's like the position. So it's like if you're in top 20, you see your rankings. And if you're not, you don't see it. Now you see up to top 100, I think. Because that was pretty heavy news, I have like a, a light short one here, which is, um, if you have watched our episode on analyzing affiliate sites, which uh, has been really popular, actually if you missed it out, you should go check it out, people have loved it. We actually looked at a site called SuperComfySleep.com, and uh, that site is, was weird because they get like an absolute buttload of traffic, and it's one of the shittiest affiliate sites you're going to come across, essentially. Sorry for the author, because I'm sure it's, not, it's not that uh, bad. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> well, for the level of traffic they have, it's pretty bad. Like you know, if you if you look at size against what the site is, it's like yeah. And so we kind of like busted them for like having a one-liner about page during that review of their site. Like there was like Mark read the about page in like ten seconds on the podcast. And then after we published that podcast, two days later, they have a full-fledged about page with now four beautiful stock photos that tell us that this is the editorial team now. So it looks like we have powerful, uh, the Sleep Mafia is watching us. And so, yeah, that was interesting. That was pretty fun for those, for those people who actually uh, watch this podcast. Nothing special about it, just a little funny story. You can, again, take the next one. That's my lazy way of like not doing a full story, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right thanks for that gal so in actual news income school posted video on their youtube channel this month where it was actually a really well produced video i, I like that one a lot they
0: do good videos actually need to catch up
1: if you don't remember back in i think it was january of this year income school who somewhat similar to authority hacker in the way that they have like a course and training it's but the american they also port- version you know He's like, we are the Europeans? They have a portfolio of websites as well. And they they actually sold all of their websites, all their portfolio in January this year. And they were supposed to have a call with the owner of one of them. But then one of their employees actually secretly got the owner to come out and meet them face to face. And it was all kind of dramatic and kind of funny. Uh, it's a cool video. What we actually learned from it was the some of the numbers, uh, and they reveal the site, which is outdoortroop.com. And in January, it was making fifteen hundred bucks a month, eighty three thousand page views a month. And in September, this month, it's doing six thousand a month and two hundred and forty k page views, and that's just with adding three to five articles a week since then i don't think it's super duper site in terms of optimization and you know there's a lot more that could potentially be done but what i think this really highlights well is focus versus portfolio right when we first got into doing this we were like oh let's build 100 websites and manage them all and we'll be this big portfolio company and stuff and like Honestly, managing 100 websites right now sounds, sounds, like, I would hate sounds like my idea of hell, to be honest. And Income School, who are, you know, you can say what you will about their views on link building or keyword research or, or whatever, but, you know, they walk the walk. They've built sites that that make decent money and stuff. Uh, and they've, they're have they one of the few people out there that consistently put that out there and put the sites out, reveal the sites, prove it time and time again.
0: Yeah, what I like is they actually monetize with uh, AdStrive as well, so it's pretty simple monetization, etc. But I agree, like... We're starting a new site now, for example, like a site that's, I can't really tell the niche at this point, but it's a consumer niche. And just getting the editorial team on point, like we're hiring specialists and like teaching them, et cetera, is a ton of work. And onboarding staff properly when we actually build expert teams is something that takes the effort or even multiple people to check their work, to give them feedback, et cetera. And so working on like many, many sites at once, I think... You essentially drop some of that quality. So it depends depends what your goal is, right? Do you want to publish a lot of average sites or do you want to do a few great sites? I think our personality is more like we really want to like do better and better. And I think over the last few years we've done quite good at as, as I said, at, at building like specialist teams, et cetera. That's not for Google EAT, to be honest. I don't really believe it matters that much. I believe it's it's much it's more of a matter of like how we like to do things and et cetera. Like, you can see even the podcast production, we start. we upgraded it with like proper microphones and cameras and everything and try to always upgrade the quality, add some bureau, add all this, et cetera. And so I think that shows that when you take part of a portfolio and you give it to one person and they focus on this 100% is their project, they care as much as the owner because they are the new owners. Then there's big wins to be made. And it probably shows that from the income school guys, they're great, but because they had all these sites at once, I can imagine how difficult it must be to do an excellent job at all of them. Whereas like if you if one person just takes one and really focuses on that, they've been able, and it wasn't just this site. I actually reviewed like four or five sites at the end of the video. Pretty much every single site grew, like doubled in, size, in revenue or something like this. So, I mean, congrats to them, and congrats also to the people who uh, took them over, you know?
1: What you can see from the people who purchased the sites is, and no offense intended to them, but they're not like super duper master Experts, SEO yeah. people. They're just like normal people. Most of them have other jobs or other businesses or whatever. So just by having that person or that that group of people like focus on the website, they've like quadrupled the the revenue in eight months. Yep. That's a website of company, of a uh, group of people who, Income School, who, as I said, know what they're doing and are pretty good at SEO. I and mean, that's another debate entirely for some people. But yeah, just goes to show you how how important or how powerful focus can be. So that's the, the yeah. main takeaway from this. I think section. it also
0: shows how powerful Ad Thrive and uh, advertising monetization is. So it's like we talked about this with John Dixter when I made his interview. Uh, I know these guys also use a lot of Ad Thrive and they like it. And for good reasons, to be honest, it's my favorite ad network as well. So completely agree with them. And it's really powerful because then you just have to focus on traffic. And if you run it's kind of like, you know, for them, the way they pick keywords is they tend to pick lower competition keywords and just write a lot of content and not really look at link building. But like traffic does expand if you do that, as we talked about with Jundixtra. And so like following that simple model allows them to grow without having to worry about complex monetization, A-B testing is the product in stock, etc. And so I do believe that over time, I mean, I feel it's still great, but a lot of people are going to really mix both because... Like there's a big opportunity because of, of how easy it is to monetize with just ads, and it removes a lot of complexity from the business, which allows you to focus on just creating a lot of content and you know, growing your traffic, etc., without really worrying about how you make money from that traffic. But overall, yeah, it was a really good video. recommend it to people. Anyway, I checked the YouTube analytics, you guys love income school, from RSI, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> check it out if you haven't checked it out yet. I'm gonna take the next story. It's actually a proper one this time. So you, know, you, know, you can take a five-minute break. I'm going to talk about shared hosting. And there was a study from a company called Reboot Online that essentially an imaginary query and built 10 sites. Five of them were on Amazon web servers on their own IP without anyone on there. And five of these other sites that were targeting this query were on shitty shared hosting with bad neighborhood, basically. with like, you know, like hacking and porn sites, et cetera, sharing the same IP. And what they found uh, over time, and there's a big, we're going to put the link in the description. You can go and read it. I'm not going to do. And conclusion was that sites that are on bad neighborhoods for pretty much all of them except one ended below the sites that were on their own IP on an Amazon web server. And there's a graph for that, there's been a lot of debates on Twitter, et cetera. And it's quite interesting because like, it's something that's been talked about for a long time in SEO, but never really like proven, tested, et cetera. And actually, John Miller picked that up. First of all, he said studies on made-up keywords are irrelevant and don't translate in real life for real queries. And he also said that he doesn't know of any part of the algorithm that would penalize you for having bad for being in a bad neighborhood, and he took the example of Blogger, you know, which is Google's, um, you know, blogging service. That's pretty shit, but like there's a lot of shit sites on it. But a few of these sites are actually run properly by some of the owners. Actually, Google runs some of, some blogs on on Blogger, and these sites he says just rank just fine, you know. So it's really not a problem of like showing the same IP and infrastructure, etc. So. I mean, it's it's the eternal debate, right? Do you believe John Mueller? Do you believe the field test? And one thing that was quite interesting to me is what he said about doing tests on made-up queries. Because, you know, we know people like Carl Roof, for example, who do a lot of these kind of tests. And actually, when they kind of like went after him, they had de-indexed all his test sites that were going after made-up queries. So I'm kind of curious on, was it just like because essentially they wanted to punish him or was it because it actually is helpful? I don't know, if you, if you didn't believe it worked, then why do you de-index the work that spreads misinformation on how to treat Google, you know? So essentially, that was an interesting one. Now, I think the final question to this is, what do you do with your hosting? Like for example, if you, we recommend SiteGround on your site system, which is share hosting. It's not the cheapest, so it's like I wouldn't expect like the worst sites on it. There's definitely some questionable sites on SiteGround as well. Like uh, no question that you might end up on a, an IP with some questionable uh, sites. So these kind of tests, it might be a factor, but the question is how much of a factor is it? And when you have a single variable test, it doesn't tell you how important the factor is, right? Because you essentially have the exact same site with one difference. And so one is going to rank higher, but it might be a 0.00001% factor that really doesn't affect your success or not. And we have a lot of students that are on site ground and these people don't really have any problem with ranking and we have a lot of success stories on SiteGround, et cetera. So do you need to leave your shared hosting? I don't think so. Is it maybe a 0.001% factor? Maybe, and then that would essentially make everyone happy. If you don't want to use shared hosting anymore following this story, actually WP Crafter released a video on these Vulture performance servers on Cloudways. Essentially, these are like, not too expensive. I think the cheapest one is 13 dollars per month, which is not that crazy for like dedicated hosting. And these are really fast, dedicated servers, and he shows you step by step how to set that up and how he does his speed setup, etc. So I would highly recommend you go check that out. We also put the URL in the description so you can go and check that out. And essentially that's the story. Any comments? Are you going to change the change hosting or anything like this?
1: No, okay. I think that's somewhat of a non-story. In the sense that Oh, thank you. What do they have? Five, <laughs> five examples? Ten. Five, five, Ten. Yeah. I don't know. I know it's very difficult to do any kind of scientific data study mm-hmm. accurately when SEO is concerned, but it just screams of oh, let's do a, a test and like let's monitor a few things and then whatever comes up, let's make that's the definitive conclusion that will present it that way.
0: You don't have to do that. You just let the community do that for you, you know? Like That's how you do case studies.
1: They're a marketing agency, so the purpose of them creating this content was not to figure it out, I think, but more to get attention to themselves and get links and get leads, which, you know, mission accomplished. So it's good from that perspective. Shared hosting is one of these things It's like, it's cheaper, right? And it makes sense to start that way. I do see people with pretty large sites, you know, making quite a lot of money, who are still on like really cheap shared hosting packages and they're like complaining about the customer service not being perfect and stuff. And there is a point for sure, when your site starts to grow and make money and have a lot of traffic. That you need to move off of that and you know expand your hosting capability significantly. But is it because of this reason? I don't think so.
0: No, I agree. I think it's not a reason to change. And I think it's like if you're starting and you're on a budget, like it's not a reason to increase your budget. There's other things you can spend on that will make more of a difference. So I would say keep going. It's you know it, it might be a tiny tiny factor. As many things are, but even if it is, it's not what will make you either successful or failing. It's like this: you can just spend that time, that resource somewhere else, and will have a deeper impact on whether you succeed or fail.
1: It reminds me of an interesting story. So, one of our mutual friends had a web design agency create a personal branded website for his coaching business, and um, they, is. they did some really good things. But like the the way they built it initially was terrible. Like the tech was really slow, and it just the website was almost unusable. It was so slow. And when he questioned it, they were like, oh, well, you're on the shared hosting plan. And they they tried to upsell him to this oh, sure. uh, this more expensive dedicating host, which they would actually get money from because they were like a reseller of it. And there's all sorts of dodgy things go on when people try and promote hosting that that you don't need. So just, just be very careful with going overboard on it because often you you don't really need to.
0: Actually, site optimization is often more important than the hosting itself, like unless you really have a lot of traffic or you have a very dynamic site, uh, you don't need that much processing power if you cache your pages. Okay, I have another one actually, which is, uh, we're actually going to give, we're giving a shout out to like pretty much all the online marketing people in this one, but uh, it's fine. It's actually for Niche Pursuits. Spencer just started his podcast again, so if you need more podcasts, go check his out. I enjoy it because there's a lot of like case studies and so on. Uh, he interviews some people as well. Interviews I'm not always a fan, but the case study stuff and uh, uh, like actual practical stuff I quite enjoyed. Uh, and Spencer is really good at that, obviously. And so the one he's doing right now is actually he has um, he has kind, of, kind of has like a DIY site. And he has an email list of twenty two thousand people, and he's trying to revive it and essentially monetize the email list. And his goal was making two to three thousand dollars per month after ninety days. I think he's like 45 days in, and he's made $11, which is I'm not doing this to like um, to like say it's bad or anything like that, but rather to highlight the the challenges of this. So basically, because it's a DIY site, he was trying to promote coupon sites. Like you know, the some coupon sites pay you per click, pay you per visit, a little bit of a referral if people buy something. But it hasn't worked very well, so I'm quite curious to see whether he's going to succeed. I sent him a few messages to uh, give him some tips, actually, on this. But his open rate was like 2%, etc. It was pretty terrible. But still, I'm pretty sure he's going to make something out of it and learn something out of it, at least. And uh, he's trying to optimize his open rate, he's working on Google Postmasters, and I told him to try to promote high-paying offers, actually, because promote stuff like uh, CPC stuff that pays like five cents per click or something, you're not going to make that much money, but Actually, if I was him, even like coupon sites, et cetera, stay-at-home moms that are blocked at home because of the lockdown, et cetera, there is like make money blogging is one of the things he should be promoting, to be honest, and like, oh, like start a blog, buy Bluehost or whatever the moms or SiteGround or whatever. You want to promote to the moms and like make $100, $200 per sale if he makes one or two sales per email then already he can be at like two like $200 per email or something like this. So I'm quite curious to see what's going to happen. But for once, it's a bit of a different case study. It's not a non site. And I'm curious to see how he's going to do it. It's not that easy. Uh, we've done it in some niches. Some niches made money, some niches not the best. But overall, it's nice when it works. It, you can make, We at some point in the house, we're making good money from email. Actually, we're making thousands of dollars per month, so it worked really well. So... I'm curious to see where he takes that.
1: I love the title of the article as well. How to make $11.15 from 1900 email subscribers. Facepalm yeah. receiving an email list case study update. It is really good to yeah. see people sharing more like things that don't work because you can Yeah. You can learn as much from what doesn't work as from what does work and you know it's obviously not like super impressive or anything at least at the moment but yeah lots of lots of takeaways there for sure so
0: spencer's very honest with his case studies that's what makes it interesting actually so yeah check it out if you again if you want more content then go check him out and you can take the next one
1: so the next one is it's just a cool website which uh, i think gail found uh, a few months ago but i wanted to share a couple of interesting things i I read on there it's called marketingexamples.com Really like clean, nice UI site. Marketing examples. So there's a couple of really cool micro case studies on that site. Actually, loads of really cool ones, but two I wanted to single out in in particular. One of them was a guy who was using Unsplash for link building. So he took a bunch of photos of, I think it was him kayaking or, or something like that and just put them on on unsplash unsplash if you don't know is a free website which you can go and get royalty free images you can use them on your site and there's no obligation to actually link back or credit them when you when you use them so what he did he knew that so he then took those images a little bit later on and if you go to google images you can kind of upload any photo that you have to google images and this is it will find similar images or the exact same image being used around the web. This is called a reverse image search. So he put his own images through reverse image search, found a bunch of websites which were using them and then outreached saying, hey, I love that you're using my image and just politely asked for a photo credit. It wasn't a demand. It wasn't like, a, oh my God, you're using my image, link to me or else because Unsplash, you don't actually have to. It was more just a polite request and being nice about it. And quite a lot of people actually did link to him. So Interesting link building tactic there. Uh, I feel like that's something that could be replicated in virtually any niche if you have a decent camera and can take like a half decent photo because sites are always looking for good images and it's often pretty difficult to find them. So that's one. And another one is a tactic for doing kind of press releases. Um, I'm gonna link to this, it's marketingexamples.com forward slash SEO forward slash press. But basically they break down exactly how they create a unique pitch on a, a topic uh, and how they pitch that to journalists. And they, they sort of pull apart the exact pitch that, you know, like there's a lot of nuance in this. So the subject line of the email is the headline that the journalist can actually use. Um, they write the hook for the journalist. They have a bullet point list of ha of facts, bunch of other stuff in there. I encourage you guys to go uh, check out that that as well. And there's a bunch of other cool examples on this this website that you can you can learn from. They were- It's email. really creative.
0: It's like it's like it's not the usual SEO stuff you read. This guy is not writing for SEO. Like his articles will not rank. Even the way the site is built, it's not built to rank. Uh, it's just built to engage. And uh, also, their Twitter account is very active, and he makes these like big tweet storms with like a lot of um, cool infos and examples. Also, well. go check it out. It's very good. It's actually the only Twitter account where I have notification when they tweet because they don't tweet a lot, but they tweet like actual content, you know, and it's really good. So, yeah, if you want some creative SEO stuff that's not the same stuff that you've been reading on the other blogs, then uh, it's a good place to go. It's well written. It's really fast as well. These are short blog posts. You don't need to spend hours reading. And it, Yeah, it's not made for SEO, basically, which is great. Check it out. My favorite marketing blog at the moment, I would say. So, yeah, I think that's it for this site. Anything else? Nope. Uh, and you can pick the last point as well, actually, because you worked on it.
1: So the final thing I wanted to say is that if you are a member of either Authority Hacker Pro or the Authority Site System, then we are releasing a new thing. It's called Member of the Month, <laughs> basically. Yeah, so, you sell it well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should be a marker, you know. What this should What this is <laughs> what this is, is a way for us to encourage people to be active and give really good advice. And there's some people who have spent a lot of time crafting almost like blog posts within the community, sharing those, telling us what's working and stuff on, on their site. So we made this cool thing, member of the month, and I'm pleased to know this is a big one, prizes. So those are actually on the, on the way out. I actually was supposed to have one in front of me so I could hold it up if that's some kind of a clue. Uh, this is this is a new Authority Hacker swag, not t t-shirt.
0: Boxing gloves, obviously.
1: But I, I don't seem to have it in front of my desk. Maybe my wife cleared it away. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, so kind of ru- ruined Sorry for the pa- members
0: next ru- month. Ru- ru- ruined
1: this part of the segment. But keep an eye out on the Facebook groups. for may- Maybe some people will yeah. post those. And we'll be announcing yeah. new ones for September at the end of the month.
0: A lot of the stuff we talk about, even in these podcasts, is also inspired by what people talk about on the Facebook group and they share this stuff and... You know, these people are not marketers or anything. They're just people who run their site and like, share the experience and so on. And we wanted to give them some recognition. And so, yeah, we decided to try to share the spotlight with these people once a month and try to highlight them in the community uh, because they make the com- they are the ones who make the community great. Like, we work on it, but it's like without them, it wouldn't happen. So, yeah, thank you for all the HPro members that share their stuff. And that's how you sell it, by the way. Anyway... <laughs> We're going to wrap things up here. I didn't say at the beginning, so if you are on the audio platforms and you enjoy the audio podcast, well, we hope to see you next week. If you actually want to see, now we start to add like content, video content on top of this, like not just our faces, but actual like screenshots and stuff that we talk about so that we can kind of enrich that stuff. So if you are listening to the audio now and you want to see that, check it out on YouTube. So search for Authority Hacker, subscribe there and drop us a thumb up if you like the episode as well. It helps us reach more people. YouTube's been doing really well for us lately. So thank you everyone for tuning in. On every Monday as well, when we release the episode, we are on the chat on the premiere with people. We answer their questions. We also have a lot of banter on there. So uh, I have a lot of fun on the chat. I'm not going to lie. And uh, you should definitely join because it's a cool way to hang out and also meet some of these, you know, age pro and test members that, you know, we mentioned, etc. So please come and check it out.
1: Anything else you, you want to say, forgot Mark? forgot one thing. So three weeks ago, you introduced this new section on... Oh, yeah, I forgot. The question. The question of the week. So
0: Yeah, and the question of the week, actually, I thought about it. The question of the week is, did we forget any news? If we did... Drop it in the comments so that everyone can actually participate and actually know about the stuff that we forgot. And if it's if we like it, we might cover it next month if it's still relevant. So, drop us your news in the comments and tell us what was important for you this month. On this, I'm going to leave you, and Mark, I leave you too, and we'll see you next week for another episode. Bye. <music>